0: Hello, everyone. My name is J.B. Hickson with NBW Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message. And what a great day it is to be alive. I can't tell you how excited I am to be back in my humble studio, tucked away somewhere beneath the tall timbers of Colorado. Uh, It has been an incredible two weeks, uh, exhausting and yet exhilarating my wife, Wendy, Brooke, uh, my daughter, my daughter, Abby, my son, Landry, and my granddaughter, Zoe, and I just got back in late last night um, after being in Oklahoma for the Prophecy Watchers Conference and down in Texas for a conference that turned out to be the biggest conference we've ever done and the one with the most incredible response we've ever seen. You know, when we set out on this trip, uh, we thought the Prophecy Watchers would be, as it characteristically is, our the big event on this trip, and then the one at the church would be, you know, good and sizable, but we did not expect it to eclipse by a long margin, uh, the uh, response that we got at Prophecy Watcher. So, praise God for that. It is Wednesday, October the 18th, 2023. And that means it's uh, time for our world events update. And I know everybody's eager to get Randy on here. Uh, things are just unraveling uh, as rapidly as they possibly can. But I do want to take some time here at the outset to to dive into the Word of God, uh, provide some some context and some uh, a framework for us to understand what's going on and how we should respond to what's going on. So uh, Randy's standing by, I'll bring him on here in just a moment. But first, let me mention a couple of other quick announcements before we turn to a passage of Scripture that I want to address this morning. Uh, It's been, as I said, an incredible couple of weeks. been a while since I've been able to talk with you uh, in from uh, the studio. I know we've posted a few events. On Sunday, we posted part one of my message at Flint Baptist Church there in, in East Texas. Uh, um, yesterday, or I mean Monday, rather, we posted part two. Um, and uh, I tell you what, uh, then uh, Tuesday, yesterday, we had just all kinds of podcasts. I just worked out that I was on Stand Up for the Truth, as well as uh, World uh, view uh, Matters with uh, David Fiorazzo. Both of those were powerful interviews. Mary Danielson did a fantastic job talking about how the West fails Israel, Israel fails Israel, and how the story ends. I, I really appreciated that interview. If you haven't caught it yet, check that out from yesterday. And then uh, David Fiorazzo, my interview with him on Worldview Matters was Luciferians' Weaponizing Technology, and he always does a fantastic job, and I'm always grateful to get to be on his uh, program. So both of those are uh, posted, the audio uh, for the podcast, and then uh, the Worldview Matters video is also posted on our Rumble channel or on the videos page of our website at notbyworks.org. And then, uh, of course, uh, today we've got World Events Update. Uh, I'll bring Randy on in a moment, but uh, this week is far from over. I've got a couple of Fantastic guests tomorrow and Friday. Tomorrow, we've got Lucas Doremus back on, and we're going to be talking about are you being tracked? Are you being tracked? With things rapidly hurtling towards the one world government, as I've written about in my latest book and been talking about for years, it's more important than ever to understand how and if you are being tracked. And so, Lucas is going to come on and talk about that. Friday, I've got Pete Garcia by popular demand. Uh, Folks have been asking me to have him on the program. He's going to be talking about the end times convergence, and it'll be his first time on the program. But I really love Pete. I got the chance to to visit with him uh, in Norman, Oklahoma. And uh, just what a super guy, just stand-up guy, loves the Lord, hum- humble, and so knowledgeable about geopolitical events. Uh, and somewhere in the mix, I haven't even reached out to Shane yet, but we're going to have to get Shane back on because uh, we we hope to have him on this week. But, you know, with the being a short week, just getting back into town, I don't have that scheduled yet. But uh, I know he'll be coming back on Uh, soon. And then waiting in the wings, I've got Randy Price tentatively scheduled for next Tuesday. And who better to talk about Israel and what's going on over there? Uh, Literally one of the top two or three experts in the world on Israel, Dr. Randall Price. he led the Qumran excavation. Uh, he knows more than anybody in the world about the Ark of the Covenant. And uh, so, anyway, I can't wait to have Randy on. We haven't confirmed it yet, but we've uh, the date that is, but he has agreed to come on. And I'm going to reach out to Bill Salas and have him back on. So, uh, we're trying to bring you some of the top experts specifically on Israel. And to be honest with you, that's kind of selfish on my part because. I love talking to these guys, picking their brains and getting wisdom uh, from them. And then, of course, we record it on the podcast and then pass it on to you. So we're all going to be benefiting uh, from those guys. But uh, pray for us as we kind of dig out. You know what it's like when you're gone for a couple of weeks? You got a mile high stack of mail emails, voicemails, speaking requests. And Brooke uh, is hard at work today responding to some of those. Um, And uh, we've got, uh, you know, our uh, mail sorting through that and we'll try to get back on track. I was telling Randy before we started the podcast that I always get real stressed when I get back because it's just so much to do. And by the way, speaking of the response on this conference, we we absolutely loaded up our trailer as much as we possibly could up to the weight limit with, with books and DVDs and things for these two conferences, and we still sold out. And so we were up for three hours last night after driving nine hours, uh, packaging up well over 100 packages that we ran out of product for on the road and had to get those out first thing this morning. So Brooke left early this morning to run to the post office with six tubs full of uh, Spirit of the False Prophet books and other books that we weren't able to ship. The latter part of of, uh, last week and over the weekend, we ran out. We ran out Sunday night at the conference. And so we had, I think, 20 or 30 folks at the conference uh, go ahead and order them. We had to ship them theirs. We apologize for that. But I want to say a quick word of thanks to the great folks at Flint Baptist Church. Uh, Brother Sam Deville has become just a dear friend and so gracious. And I tell you what, uh, it was a just a phenomenal day. Uh, I spoke twice Sunday morning in two services. Then we had a, a, a another event Sunday night. They don't normally have a Sunday night service there. Uh, they typically will have uh, 2,000 to 2,500 2, in the morning service. And that was what we had while we were there. And then we were all kind of expecting maybe two or 300 people would come back in the evening. But would you know, we had over 800 people come back. And on the day, we had over 9,000 people streaming, uh, plus another 3,000 in the room. So it was just far beyond what I could have expected. Um, But it just shows you that people are hungry for the Word of God in in a time such as this. They want to know what's happening. They want to be able to connect the dots. But I tell you what, uh, Brother Sam, thank you so much for having us. Your people are, I mean, salt of the earth. Not a single... Uh, you know, negative comment. Uh, Everybody was encouraging your staff. I can't tell you, five or six different members of your staff came up to me at various points throughout the day saying, Hey, anything you need? What can we do for you? The security was uh, phenomenal. It was a a pretty scary weekend just because things are heating up all over the place. And so, uh, for only the second time ever in my life, I actually carried while in the pulpit. Nobody knew that then, and I did not tell anybody. Then, But now that it's behind us, uh, I just felt like just in case I wanted to be uh, be prepared, I I have a good vantage point from the pulpit. If something were to happen, uh, unfortunate uh, during the message, I could I could respond. So anyway, but thankfully, nothing happened. Security was outstanding. They had some sheriff's deputies that that served there uh, and uh, as well as uh, the rest of the security team. But I, gotta, I just got to say a huge thanks. And I want to say a quick shout out too to our dear friends, Lynn and Tammy Rutland. Uh, Lynn is basically my pastor. You know, every pastor needs a pastor and he's been my pastor uh, for several years and such a, 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 an incredible man. We got to stay with them. He's the one that set all this up, Lynn and Tammy did, uh, and introduced me to Brother Sam and it all uh, kind of flowed from there. So thank you guys. Thank you to the Rutlands. Um, and I know uh, Flint Baptist Church is lucky to have Blessed to have that uh, you know, that family there. So, uh, but anyway, uh, you know, continue to pray for us as we dig out and get ready for the the weeks to come. We'll be back in the pulpit Sunday at Plum Creek Chapel. We'll be looking at Nehemiah chapter thirteen and how to live, uh, you know, exclusively in an inclusive world. And uh, that's as they got the walls built and got settled into the land. Now they're ready to say, okay, where do we go from here? And that's a a good question for us to answer as well. All right, I want to call your attention before I bring Randy on to uh, Acts chapter 1. And, you know, one of the things that I've talked a lot about through the years in my messages and in my books is normalcy bias. And normalcy bias is what keeps a lot of people Asleep. You know, First Thessalonians 5, 6 tells us, don't, don't sleep like everybody else, but be awake. And as Christians, we ought to be awake. And yet, sadly, many Christians are asleep, and it's because of normalcy bias. They just, their minds can't can't get wrapped around the notion that things are not really as they appear. And indeed, they're not, no question about it. And so most people suffer, suffer from normalcy bias, but more and more people are waking up to the reality that nothing is as it appears, and there is a spiritual battle raging all around us. Uh, but there's another term that I, I've kind of coined uh, just recently. In fact, now I, I say I've coined it, I've never heard it anywhere else, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if somebody else had kind of made the same type of connection. Uh, but I believe there's a, a, a contrasting viewpoint contrasting to normalcy bias is what I'm calling abnormalcy bias. And abnormalcy bias actually applies to those who are awake and those who are studying the great Luciferian conspiracy and are aware that we are seeing the stage being set. Uh, those of you that uh, listen to, for example, Randy and, and folks like him, Leo Homan. Uh, by the way, Leo's podcast last week was just unbelievable. And between Leo and Randy, I think we put out a lot of incredible information to help you navigate these troubling times with, with what's going on in Israel. But abnormalcy bias, bias occurs when people become so awake that they they just basically become panicked and fear-stricken, and they just want to drop out of society, and they just feel like the sky is falling, and the world's going to come to an end tomorrow, and, oh, woe is me, what do I do, and so forth. And that's not a biblical response either. So it's certainly crucial in such a time as this that those who are asleep wake up, but it's equally crucial that those who are awake think clearly and and try to avoid this uh, obsession with how the world is is falling apart, and the stage is being set for the Lord's return. Uh, that I'm calling abnormalcy uh, bias. You you just tend to see everything that happens as if, uh, you know, the 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 rapture is going to happen tomorrow. Now we know theologically it certainly could. It could happen during this podcast. It could happen at any moment. But I want to go to Jesus' words to the disciples because I think the disciples are a good example uh, at the end of Christ's earthly time before He ascended to the right hand of, of the throne of God. A good example of abnormalcy bias in action. So if you remember in Acts chapter one, they were assembled together on the Mount of Olives, and he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So he's talking about what would happen ten days later on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem when the Spirit of God would uh, come down in a mighty new way and and the the church was birthed? It was the birthday of the church, and so uh, so they had come together. We're now in Acts chapter one, verse six, and they asked the Lord, saying, "Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel?" So they were absolutely wanting desperately the, the, the Messianic kingdom, just as we are today. We want Christ to come back and make all things new. We want to meet the Lord in the air. Uh, and uh, But what he said to them is interesting. He said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, that event that happened 10 days later that he just referenced. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And so what he's saying is here, don't become so heavenly-minded that you're no earthly good. Don't become so obsessed with the kingdom that you forget you have a job to do. And the disciples uh, were so obsessed with the kingdom that after Jesus said those things, while they watched, the Bible tells us, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, in other words, you get the picture here, they stood there just kind of watching him go up and even though he had just said, look, uh, you know, stick around in Jerusalem and and wait for the promise of the Father, and then, you know, you need to be my witnesses. Even though he had pretty much just given them their marching orders, they stood there waiting as if they thought he was going to grab the keys to the kingdom from God the Father and come right back down uh, to inaugurate the kingdom. This is that abnormalcy bias. They were fixated on the end of the age and forgot that they had been given a job. And so these two men stood by them in white apparel who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus uh, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So that kind of gets them out of their, their trance, if you will. And they returned to Jerusalem, the Bible tells us. Uh, and uh, when they got there, then they the first order of business was to cast lots to replace Judas, and Matthias was chosen to be the 12th disciple. And the text doesn't say this, but you get the sense that even in that decision, they were still Really, really fixated on the kingdom because they knew Jesus had told them that when he returns, they would sit on twelve thrones with him in the kingdom, and they didn't want that twelfth throne to be empty. And so they they made sure that they had a replacement for Judas. But you couple that with something Jesus said to them, uh, you know, uh, some forty days or maybe forty seven days earlier, it was the the a few days before he rode into, or the day before, actually to be exact, the day before Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. So let's let's make sure we got the timeline clear here. So uh, after Jesus resurrected, he appeared for 40 days, and the passage we just read from Luke, uh, from Acts chapter 1, was the 40th day when he ascended to heaven. Then 10 days later was the church, uh, the birthday of the church, and on the day of Pentecost. But if you back up before the resurrection, that final week leading up to the crucifixion and resurrection, we call that Passion Week, uh, on uh, uh, Sunday of that week, remember he was uh, betrayed on Thursday, arrested and and tried and crucified on Friday, rose on Sunday. The preceding Sunday, Jesus has this conversation with his disciples— and I won't take the time to go through the whole passage, but it's what we often call the parable of the ten minas. I call it the parable of delay. But all I want to focus on is the very beginning, because the the Bible tells us that as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately abnormalcy bias. They were fixated on the kingdom. They thought he was going to ride into Jerusalem, throw off the shackles of Rome, and usher in the long-awaited kingdom age. And so because Jesus knew their thoughts and knew that's what they were thinking, he tells them the parable about a a certain noble man uh, who represents Christ in the parable, who goes to a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And before he leaves, he calls his ten servants together gives them each Amina, and he says to them, and this is the key, do business till I come. Do business till I come. You remember the rest of the parable. He goes away, he eventually comes back, and he calls his servants to give an account of what they did while he was gone. But that phrase, do business till I come, is the key. And, you know, more than 40 days later, when Jesus had the conversation with them atop the Mount of Olives on the day of his ascension, they still weren't quite connecting the dots that they need to be doing business while they await the coming kingdom. And folks, that's what we need to do today. So I understand that these are unsettling times. I understand, and believe me, you've heard me talk about it even this weekend and and at Prophecy Watchers the previous weekend. The stage is being set. The signs of the times are all around us. It could very well be today. I believe that with all my heart. But at the same time, we cannot allow that that notion that the the end of the age has come to cripple us and cause us to neglect the business that God has for us to do. God has a job for us to do. We are to be sharing Christ with others. We are to be raising our children, providing for our families, being a light in this perverse generation, as the apostle Paul said. So last week, uh, Randy and I talked about, uh, you know, how there were all kinds of threats against the homeland, and there was this uprising of Islamic terrorists And that still exists today. Randy's going to give us an update on it. Uh, But I think there were many people who, and I got lots of calls, by the way. I got two or three calls and at least five or six emails from people panicking saying, What should I do? Should I head for the hills? Should I abandon my home? Should I keep my kids out of school? What should I do? What should I do? And I told every one of them the same thing. I'd, I said, unless you have an obvious reason where your life is in danger, you just keep going through the motions, but you keep your head on a swivel, you keep your eyes wide open, and you pay attention. We cannot predict what and, and when things are going to happen. We we kind of know where we're headed, but in the meantime, we need to be doing business until Christ, Christ comes. So my challenge as I bring Randy on is to tell you to avoid abnormalcy bias. Take what we're saying and and process it and understand it, but recognize that we're not saying the sky is going to fall today. We're saying the sky is definitely falling. It's all around us. You'd have to be living in a cave not to see it, but that doesn't mean you should be living in a cave. That doesn't mean we should drop out of society. We need to trust the Lord, make sure we got our ducks in a row, make sure we're ready, and then wake up every day, Uh, confidently looking for the Lord's return and going through the normal routine of life. It's not. This is not a time to to stop doing the Lord's business. So I hope that encourages you. Randy, thanks for giving me a little bit more time here at the beginning to kind of greet our folks and say hello and give some background and update and share that word of Scripture. But uh, welcome back to the program. Glad to know we're still here for another week.
1: Well, at least for today or for the next hour. I
0: hope <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. I yeah. mean actually I hope we're not. I hope the Lord calls us home.
1: Well, I do too, but I don't have that feeling but then we probably won't have a clue will we? Right, right. You know, I get a lot of the same phone calls and emails you do and what I want to tell everybody things are dark, getting darker. But like I said months ago, we're going to get through this. We know what the plan is. We know that God wins in the end. We're going to go through some tough times. But you know, we're gonna get through it because Earth is our test. This is where we prove our mettle. So, you know, don't worry today about things that haven't affected you yet because you ruined today. And there's no reason to. We know things are gonna happen, but we don't know if we're gonna be here or not. So just enjoy each day. Uh enjoy the weather, enjoy the leaves changing. You know, keep in the back of your mind to be safe and be smart, but. I am not going to let terrorists or anybody else take my peace. My peace is through Jesus Christ. And that's the way it is. I mean, if I end up dying today, oh, well, I know where I go. Amen. all said. In the last couple of hours, I've gotten some things in here before we get into the other stuff that we have. Um, Then I'll go ahead and probably ruin your day. But from now, uh, Jordan Vandersloot. If you remember uh, Ms. Holloway disappearing, being murdered and disappearing back in 2005, this morning he admitted doing it Mm -hmm. and he has given out the grisly details. So if you want to find out what happened, uh, you can find that on the news. But at least the family can finally put that to rest. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm happy for them in that situation that they now have some closure. Um, It just shows what kind of people are alive and In this world. Mm. All right. I had a couple of financial advisors, economists, whatever you want to call them this morning, call me and say, if you're going to get into the metals market, do it now. The prices are about as low as you're going to go. The supply is dwindling. The premiums are low. But the demand is such that there won't be any pretty soon. So I would suggest if that's something you're thinking about, do it now. In the last 20 minutes, I've got an alert that there are uh, Russian fighters near Israel Israel with hypersonic missiles. We don't know if they're going to use those today or if they're just, you know, trying to up the ante a little bit. But they are patrolling that area, and that is where our forces are going to be. So things are going to get tense, very tense, very quickly. Um, One economist this morning said, to take note of the economy. The total income for the United States is $4.5 trillion trillion in a year, and we are spending at the rate of $11 trillion. Mm. So we're going further into the hole. Um, We've spent $444 billion in the last two weeks. Mr. Biden wants another $100 billion for the Ukraine, but he's going to tuck the request from Israel in with that also, so it'll be interesting to see how he divides this. I, uh, he's not an Israel fan. Kamala Harris is not an Israel fan. So while we are really in it right now, expect that type of dedication to that movement probably to fizzle out over the next few weeks, especially if we break out into a hot war.
0: Yeah, and let me interject on the financial front. I quoted this uh, Sunday, uh, but uh, on last Friday, J.P. Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon warned that this is, quote, and these are his words, the most dangerous time for the world in decades. And he specifically referred to not only the military conflicts in Ukraine and Israel, but he also cited the burgeoning national debt and, quote, the largest peacetime fiscal deficits Ever Now, J.P. Morgan Chase is a big part of the Luciferian conspiracy and has been going back, you know, 100 years or more uh, to the turn of the 20th century. So when someone like that sounds an alarm, it sort of gets your attention, don't you think?
1: Well, definitely. You kind of wonder what his motive is because he's a moneymaker. That's who he's looking out for. But he is right on the money as far as that goes. Um, the FBI yesterday issued a new terror alert. There are sleeper cells. There are individuals that they're worried about in the United States. They have um, Hamas evidently declared war on American churches yesterday. So if you're in church, a pastor or whatever, put your head on the swivel, carry your submachine gun and try to give a message
0: with all of that happening. I'll be anxiously waiting. On an unrelated note, are you planning to come to Plum Creek Sunday and watch my back? <laughs> if I
1: can breathe, I can bring my rifles. Yes. Well, hey, we, we are
0: we are why wide, wide open to that, absolutely. It's a free country. So, uh, by the way, I heard a great uh, discussion yesterday as I was driving, I listened to a podcast and you know, a lot of times we mistakenly think, you know, the second amendment gives us the right to carry guns. And absolutely. That's not actually true. God gives us the right. It's a God given right. And the Bill of Rights, the Second Amendment, and all the others are all they are saying is that the government cannot take that right away. We don't need an amendment to have the right to carry a gun. That right comes from God. The Second Amendment, if you look at it uh, the way it is written, is simply saying the government can't take away our God given right. So, anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in there. But yeah, bring your AK or your AR and let's go.
1: And please know how to use it. And I usually sit in the front. Do not shoot people in the front. That would be the pastor and myself. <laughs> uh, you take a shot of whatever else you want, but not us. Okay, so we've got the new terror alert. Um, law enforcement in the military is on edge right now. I will tell you what, if you're stopped by a policeman, this would be the time to stop your car, take your hands, put them on the wheel and be very pleasant when they walk up to the car. Because I think half of them are scared spitless, and I would be too. So don't accelerate the problem. Don't exacerbate
0: Yes. All right.
1: Let's see. Situational awareness. There have been numerous thefts and robberies taking place at the grocery store. People are waiting for people to return to their car. Then they're holding them up, taking their food. They're following back to their homes, taking food from them before they get in the house. Be very careful. Make sure you know what is happening. Um, This is going to get worse. This is not going to get better because 95% of the people still do not know what's going on. But the first time we start seeing people, Americans, being killed, hits the news, or all of the shortages that are going to be happening, people are going to get to the panic mode immediately. So please uh, prepare yourself and be very careful because this is not a nice, nice world. All right. A couple of weeks ago, I told you that the uh, reservists in the military were being called up. They actually made that public today. And a lot of them are being told to prepare to deploy. For those of you that are watching the red heifers in Israel, they are, looks like they are good to go. Um, the conversation about building a new temple is really accelerating in Israel right now. People are really starting to take a look at everything and really thinking that, you know, we need to get that going. There was also a gentleman who tried to make a sacrifice on the Temple Mount the other day. And as you know, Jews are not allowed to do anything like that. So that always stirs things up and causes problems. So everything's everything's coming to a head as we said it was going to, and many others have also. Now, for those of you that like to watch all the preppers and everything else on YouTube and every every other place, understand if they do not have a Bible perspective on what is going on, they're not going to understand. They're not going to put all of this together. They're going to have a viewpoint of here or there. Um, take them with a grain of salt. Some of them have good information, but some of them I've noticed are going way, way too far off the track of what is actually happening. So just be very careful who you listen to. All right. Now, the stuff that I had prepared before all of this come in this morning, let's talk about Israel first. First off, we hear about the Iron Dome a lot. And as I mentioned last week, it did not malfunction. I went in and I got a lot of facts on this. Basically, the Iron Dome consists of 10 stations located throughout Israel. Each of those stations has four launchers. Each launcher launcher has a magazine of 20 missiles. When they're done with those, then they have to reload, and that takes some time. So they can get off 800 in a moment's notice. Then they have to take some time to reload. And you have to remember that nothing is perfect. Uh, when you have 3,000, 5,000 missiles coming at you in 20 minutes, There is nothing in the world that's going to keep up with that. But the thing is, what I want people to know is when you hear all of this stuff on TV, radio, YouTube, or whatever, just stop and think about it. Because Israel has one of the finest missile systems in in the world. Uh, Basically, they have an 80 to 90% knockdown rate. But with five thousand and twenty minutes, you're going to miss a bunch. It's going to look like they screwed up. Uh, you know, there could have been little malfunctions here and there or whatever, but that's not the important thing. What I'm going to say is they also have what is called David's Sling, the Arrow, the Iron Beam, and the barak Eight. They have a missile system that is second to none. Now, I want the reason I tell you this is because compared to the United States, we have nothing. On the coasts, we have what are called that. Terminal high altitude air defense missiles, but they're only in a couple of places. We don't have any located in the interior of the United States. So if the missiles are flying, we're going to absorb them. So just understand how we have neglected the American people for the sake of the COVID vaccinations, everything else over the years. We have no bunkers to run to. Um, My main point is you're on your own. So think about it now, what you're going to do. when the news is talking about Israel, they're always talking about Mossad. Mossad is like our CIA. They are responsible for the information on an international basis. The ones that are responsible for the inter-country happenings, intra-country, I should say, is Shin Bet. They're like the FBI. So this was not a Mossad mess up that actually caused a problem with the missiles and the attack coming in, it was Shin Bet. So, you know, you need to know some of the terminology because what you're going to hear in the next couple of weeks, you're going to go, is that true? Is this what happened? So just make sure you understand what they're saying because uh, the newscasters and the media in the United States are just as bad.
0: And, and so, let, me, let me weigh the, in on the, the uh, if you don't mind, let me weigh in on the uh the whole issue of how this could happen. I talked about this on Stand Up for the Truth yesterday, and I also talked about it on Worldview Matters yesterday. Um, but we have more information even uh today. There are a lot of credible insiders out there that are now coming out and and saying that Netanyahu ordered a stand down to allow Hamas to launch its attack for seven hours. Now, again, I don't know who to believe. Uh, My gut tells me it was absolutely a stand-down order, Uh, but I know there are a lot of people out there, uh, even people that are traditionally very pro-Israeli government. I mean, we're all pro-Israel because that's what the Bible uh, calls us to be. We want to support God's chosen nation. But there's a difference between being pro-Israel and being pro-Israeli government. I'm pro-American too, but I'm not pro-Satanic, Luciferian-controlled leaders within Washington, D.C. But even people that are traditionally very pro-Israeli government, like Charlie Kirk, for example, from Turning Point, he's out there questioning, as I have been, uh, this issue and claiming it was a stand-down. Now, he has a different reason reason for it. He thinks it was Netanyahu basically fomenting a civil war because his approval rating was at 27%. I think it's much bigger than that. Uh, I think Netanyahu is a pawn in the game of the Luciferians in the same way that many uh leaders in America are. Um, uh, but I think there's very strong evidence, and it just makes sense, like I talked about with Leo Homan last week, uh, that this was there was an insider that allowed this to happen. It's the only thing uh, that makes sense. So lots of details out there. You can check. Uh, here's an ABC News report. Uh, here's uh, there's several uh, you know other uh, articles. Let's see where this one's from. Uh, anyway, if you just look into it, a lot of details are coming out after the fog of that morning. And I think there's a lot of credible evidence that there's something not quite right about what went down.
1: Well, I agree with you totally. And to your point, Mr. Netanyahu, back in the early 2000s, made a comment about he knew exactly how to melt the United States for every dime he would ever need. Now that's not a direct quote, but that is the gist of what he said. So I trust him just about as much as I do our current administration. You're right, there was a seven hour delay. There was a two hour delay for emergency services, such as fire, EMS, et cetera, to get to the people that were injured. Egypt still maintains that they notified Israel of an impending attack. So uh, I'm I'm on the same wavelength as you are. I think it's an inside job, whether it was because of his low rating, like Biden. I mean, it all works together because if you're a wartime leader, you're probably going to be reelected. You're going to keep your job. So that might add part of it. But I agree that Netanyahu is a snake. And I wouldn't trust him any further than I could spit it. All right. So there are 140,000 active duty Israelis. They've called up another 360,000. So there are a half a million Israeli soldiers right now. Most of them are on the border with Hamas on Gaza. And some of them are up by the Hezbollah individuals. And there are a bunch of them down by the um, Rafa exit into Egypt, trying to keep things under control. Now, Israel told everybody to get out. They gave them 24 hours, and they went ahead and extended it. But then somebody blew up the exit at Rafa and somebody blew up a hospital. Now, I've seen some of the radar that shows, allegedly shows, the missile coming from the Islamic Jihad people over on the coast that hit the hospital, which looks a lot more likely than Israel doing It would make no sense whatsoever. But we'll find out more in the next couple of weeks, I'm sure, Um, why you would blow up the exit for the Palestinians and the people in Gaza to move south into Egypt. That, again, would make no sense why Israel would do that. They want them out of there so they can be- begin their ground offensive. And so... When you hear this, think about it. What makes sense? What doesn't make sense? Because it's it's going to be very important very soon. The rocket attacks against Israel continue. I get an alarm every time one is launched into a certain area, and I will tell you. Yesterday, for about an hour, there were two hundred different locations in Israel that were struck by missiles. That was one of the biggest. I don't know how many were launched. Probably immaterial, but Everybody's talking about Israel should leave people in Gaza alone. They shouldn't go in with a a military offensive to basically flatten it. And I'm I'm my opinion is: if I had a country as close as Gaza is to Israel, and they were fomenting rocket attacks multiple times a day against my people, even though you know the situation. Shows that they need to slow down and take a breath, I would probably go in and destroy them too, because they are a clear and present danger to the Israelis. And, um, you know, something's got to be done. They're obviously not going to slow down. So, you know, maybe the invasion is something that has to take place. Now, what concerns me is when they make the invasion. Uh, with their half a million or quarter million, whatever amount of troops they use Hezbollah has a hundred thousand troops in Lebanon in Syria ready to move in. They keep lobbing missiles and rockets, mortars everything towards Russia, or towards Israel every day. They've taken out some of the advanced um, outposts that the Israeli hand, army has. And so, you know, they're waiting They're They're taking out the cameras so nobody can watch them come in. They are preparing for a battle. There's no doubt about that. Um, so Israel moved 70,000 um, civilians from that area with Lebanon, moved them south out of the way. But the attacks still continue. Now, Iran basically is the one supplying Hezbollah and Hamas with the material, with the money, etc. But what everybody should know is Russia is behind this. There is evidence coming out, and I think you'll see it in the next week or two, that Russia gave money to the Iranians right after the Afghanistan debacle. They paid them millions of dollars in a cryptocurrency to finance this. This attack has been planned for two years so Russia behind iran iran is behind its proxies of hamas and hezbollah notice that iran doesn't want to get its fingers dirty which kind of like the united states and the ukraine but that doesn't make them any less culpable yeah,
0: iran let, has a, let me ahead. let me jump in on what you just said about how this has been planned uh uh there was an article back on april 10th uh, 2023 in Israel 365 News. The headline is Middle East Expert, colon, Iran Planning Multi Front Attack on Israel. This was April 10th of this year. So, absolutely, this is part of a bigger. Uh, a, a bigger plan. This was not just some isolated Hamas, you know, uh, deal. There's the, the 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 Luciferian elite that are pulling the strings of power are fomenting World War III precisely the way so many uh, geopolitical experts who understand the Luciferian conspiracy have been uh, predicting uh, for for many years, myself included. But while I've got the mic, I want to mention that you know there's a nuance that has to take place when talking about. Israel defending itself against uh, these uh, you know, atrocities, these just horrific things that Hamas and the other uh, terrorists are doing. Um, a God-fearing, good, you know, moral minded leader of any country, will do their best to root out the enemy and spare the lives of civilians. That's, that's what they should do. Whether they're believers in Jesus Christ or not, there are some good people in Israel, and generally speaking, that's what Israel tries to do. Generally speaking, that's what America tries to do. The problem is there are Luciferian elite pawns and puppets that are involved in both countries. And you need, you know, you need to understand the Luciferians absolutely have no regard for life. They thrive on death. They love death. It brings them, you know, thrills to see children suffering and people dying. And so those people, as I've written about in uh, all three of my uh, most recent books, uh, they have no problem blowing up innocent. Hospitals and innocent uh, children, and those are the ones that I'm worried about. Like you said, I don't know uh, yet what whether this was, uh, you know, is Israelis that blew up the hospital, or um, you know, uh, has you know Hamas or, or who who it was. Um, I hope that it was the enemy, and I hope they pay dearly for it. But we need to have that nuance between. You know, Israel is not monolithic. You can't just say, "Oh, Israel would never do that." Well, yeah, they would, and so would America, and they have. There's a, a laundry list of times when we've we've done that. That doesn't mean that our country is bad. It just means there are rogue elements within our country that have no regard for life. Now, uh, you may be want you may be planning to talk about this, but I just want to make a comment about America's involvement. I mean, it seems like they delayed. I don't know if it was yesterday or over the weekend. The Eisenhower uh, fleet that was headed uh, that way, the uh, the carrier group. Uh, I'm wondering, you know, why the delay. I guess given the current state of our military, maybe it's possible that. Uh, you know, a lot of our top generals were trying to decide what accessories to wear with their high heels and dresses, or something like that. I'm not really, not really sure. But uh, you know, it really is a shame that you know a, a recent report someone uh, sent me talked about how the military is doing its best to make sure that our military reflects the culture of our day. What we're not supposed to reflect American culture. We're supposed to protect. American culture. I don't want a military that has a bunch of LGBT, you know, gay people in it cross-dressing weaklings. I want a military that's going to protect me. Uh, You know, we're not trying to reflect our culture. We're supposed to protect our culture. So what in the world's going on with this uh, delay? I mean, I certainly I'm not trying to to, to, to see us launch into world war three. I think that's exactly what they want to happen to decapitate America. But just from a conventional standpoint, it seems like when an ally is taking a beating, I mean, are we not ready? Are we not prepared? Do we, do, were we not ready to run over there? What's going on?
1: Well, to your point, there is a lot more to it than that. We have the uh, newest carrier, the Ford in theater, It's about 186 miles off the coast of Israel right now, loaded with planes, everything else. We have the second carrier, supposedly, like you mentioned, was supposedly en route to help. But what they don't mention, there is a third carrier leaving also at the end of the week, and it contains no airplanes. Why would you send a carrier with no airplanes to the Mediterranean? Is the Ford having problems? Are they going to move the planes, or is this new carrier group going to pick up aircraft to go there? The thing is, right now, the Mediterranean is a mess. We've been talking about Turkey since, I think, January, leaving NATO. All right, the Turkish Navy is en route to the Mediterranean right now. They are taking the side of Hamas. So they have finally showed us their hand. They're going to move their ships in there. We're going to have two or three carrier battle groups in there. The British were sending one carrier, but as of this morning, they're sending two. The Russians are known to have submarines in the Mediterranean. Now, are we getting cold feet? Are we trying to assess the situation? Are we holding back? Because I'll tell you, I think the next place this is going to really blow up is the Strait of Hormuz because that's where the oil is shipped through. We have an amphibious attack group over there, but it's not an aircraft carrier. Are we going to divert them over there? Are we going to divert some of these back up to the uh, Ukraine area? You know, when Biden wants $100 for Ukraine, and then he tucks Israel in there also. Now, is he going to split it evenly? Is he going to is he just trying to hide it? What's he going to do? Um, you know, they whip up the frenzy. We're going to do this because we're allies. We're going to do this. Uh, we want to stand there with them. Like I've said before, I wouldn't trust Biden any further than I could kick him. For the simple reason you saw how he pulled out of Afghanistan. We have seen what he's done in the Ukraine. Money, money, money. But we really don't want to get involved. Uh, Same way over in the um, South China Sea, the Taiwan Straits. We've got another carrier over there. So are they worried about the Chinese taking action? Because what I think is going to happen, all right, Putin and Xi Jinping just are finishing up their meeting. The last time they had a meeting, we had Ukraine invaded immediately after that. I think with the Arabs that were going to meet Biden canceling the meeting, I think that's another sign of disrespect showing them they don't care what he thinks. I think this is all being planned. I think the North Koreans are going to start something with Japan and South Korea very shortly. At the same time, Russia is moving into Ukraine and they're, they're, making headway. They're saving their missiles and their drones. Now, what are they saving that for? Are they saving it for the winter? Or is this all going to be done simultaneously where there's a massive movement of troops and equipment on four different fronts? We're on two fronts right now and we are stretched thin. We have no fighting force as far as the army goes because they have 475,000 troops that could actually fight, but they're in 750 bases in the world. They're not all sitting here waiting to be transported. So now that Turkey's moving in, Turkey, basically we have the Incirlik air base in Turkey. It contains 50 nuclear bombs, and they have told the United States, we're not going to let you move them out of here. Well, if I was the commander of that base, I would load them up and they'd be gone overnight before the Turks knew what hit them. Because now that we know whose side they're on, people need to understand. This is not the Gog Magog War yet, but I'm telling you, it's coming down the road and you can watch this stuff unfold. And I believe you discussed that somewhat
0: over the weekend also. Yeah, we did. We talked a lot about Gog Magog, but uh, I don't. I mean, as far as Turkey, it seems to me if they were explicitly and overtly coming out and saying, "Hey, we're no longer supporting uh, Israel," that would be they would get kicked out of NATO. I don't understand why, if that's the case. I mean, we all know Turkey's, uh, you know, playing both sides. I wouldn't trust them either. But uh, I mean, how do we know that they're moving their ship to the Mediterranean in support? of Iran and, and Hamas and Hezbollah. Have they said that? Erdogan basically said that the other yeah. day. He said yeah. we had a choice to make and we are going to support
1: Hamas. Yeah. Now, you know, Turkey controls the Bosphorus and the Dardanelles, which lead into the Black Sea. So once Russia and Turkey really are close, Turkey will let them move in and out whenever they want to. Russia will be able to go into the Mediterranean, which is what they've always wanted. They will keep the Americans out of the Black Sea, and we will now be able to assist the Ukraine in a major attack. We will have to do it from somewhere else. And let's face it, uh, we're spread so thin right now that there's no way we can do it. Um, I'm, I'm waiting to see if Jordan and Egypt get involved. Jordan, we have an air base right on the edge of Israel that's in Jordanian territory and so far, there have been no moves against that and nothing said about that. Egypt has been kind of a friend of Israel, but it's kind of iffy right now. So as we watch this unfold, we will see which countries are going to be where. And I think we're going to find out that the United States has no friends in the Middle East except the Israelis. Um, Biden has upset them all. They are all closely aligned with the rest of their peoples. Uh, the Arabs, you know, Shiites, Sunnis, whatever their enemies, but they will unite to fight Israel. And that is what is happening. Um, you know, there are so many different terrorist groups that are in Lebanon, Gaza, and Syria right now. It's unbelievable. But um Hezbollah is starting an attack from Syria, and from Lebanon, so it's going to get worse, no doubt about it. The United States is evacuating the personnel from the uh, Middle East, starting with Lebanon. There will be more, I'm sure. Um, With all these ships, though, in the Mediterranean, something's got to give. Um, I don't know why we paused the one carrier. I don't know why the other one has no airplanes on it. I would imagine that will become more obvious later on. But we're moving our nuclear bombers to the Middle East. I don't know where yet for sure. And we have 24 of the F-15E Eagles, which are can be armed with the B-61 nuclear bomb that are also being moved into theater. The British are coming on with two carriers. So I would imagine they're probably armed pretty much the same. Um, Biden keeps pushing Israel not to make a preemptive strike against Hezbollah. But my question is, how long can they let the missiles come in to Israel without actually doing something? I think what we're going to see, since the American carriers being about 160 miles off the coast, are now subject to the Iranian anti-ship missiles, they could take out our carriers and our ships in a matter of minutes we have some defense against that but let's face it the turkish navy's there we have russian subs there we have anti-ship missiles there they put those in place for a reason they plan on using it and i don't think it'll be long until they probably do
0: yeah as i try to connect the dots of all this and how it how it relates to the the big picture plan that's that's that they've been working on for many many decades to decapitate america I know we had a lot of chatter last week about, you know, uh, terrorist cells and the day of rage and the day of vengeance. By the way, I think somebody called for another day of rage. Is it today or tomorrow? And so there was a lot of concern. Were we going to see a bunch of uprisings and innocent people uh, killed in terrorist attacks across the homeland? Uh, I think there's always the chance of that in isolated cases. But my gut tells me what we're looking at here is a military uh, situation that's that's going to draw us in overseas, both in the Middle East and Eastern Europe. Uh, and then, as you've mentioned, you know, you could see some things unfold down in Southeast Asia uh, while we're all preoccupied up there. Uh, the problem is we're stretched too thin. I mean, it's not just yes. two fronts. We're on seven or eight fronts when you think about where our troops are stationed and, and still doing battle, by the way, in Syria and uh, and so forth. So, you know, I, I think I think what I see happening is some type of uh, major military uh, engagement, either by Iran or 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 Israel going after Iran, either one, which will then draw America in even more than we already are involved. And then I think it's at that time, while we're distracted with a war, uh, that we are going to start to see... Things that happen on our homeland in terms of little terrorist, uh, you know, attacks and so forth, small, smaller scale, I should say. No terrorist attack is little uh, for the people that are victims. But uh, you know, I, I feel like you know this is this is a multi-pronged deal. Uh, the The fact is, people, you know, do need to be aware and be awake and be be ready. But I just don't see. Uh, you know they're fomenting hatred obviously for Israel right now no question about it uh they're the the, the narrative that's being spun by mainstream media and, and and in our culture is that you know Israel is is indiscriminately killing women and children in response to the Hamas attack and and that uh you know like I said there requires some nuance because I I think there's a higher, a puppet master involved here, purposely making that happen to create this anger and uh, rage towards Israel. But uh, it wouldn't surprise me if you had some isolated attacks. People, and we've already had them, by the way, in other parts of the world. Right now, our embassies are under siege in certain countries like Lebanon, and we're seeing this, you know, anti-Israel <clears throat> rage get worse and worse. and And so, I think it's always wise to be prepared. But my gut tells me before we see major, major events on our own soil, we're probably looking at some type of military uh, involvement somewhere else that, that makes its way eventually uh, to the homeland. Make no mistake, World War III will involve fighting on on the, the mainland of the United States. I have no doubt about that.
1: Well, we did have some isolated attacks that were related to the um, movement over the weekend. They're keeping them quiet. They're basically, you know, considering them, their normal stabbings or normal Murders, whatever, but they have occurred. But to your point, I think, I think it's all going to be pretty much simultaneously. I think when the attacks with the military start, then they're going to be taking an attack. But the way in the homeland. But I'm thinking that could be very, very, very soon, as in this weekend or any time from there on. The meetings with the big guys with the Arabs. The Chinese, the Russians have all taken place, so I'm sure they finalized their plans. I think they're going to hit us very soon, um, but we'll have to wait and see because the ones that know aren't saying. In our military, you know, in law enforcement, they've got an idea. That's why they put out the alerts. Uh, Hamas has already threatened American churches and the American people, so we know it's coming. But something that I noticed, all the countries are evacuating their people from Israel. We did that by air, and we did that by ship. But here's the thing that sticks in my craw. All of the people evacuated have to pay for the costs to be evacuated. Now, who does that when we're paying billions to illegal aliens to come into the United States? We're giving them housing allowances. We're giving them civil rights. We're paying them money. But our citizens are stuck. So we get them out, but then we're going to send them a bill. Now, I don't know about you, but that makes me just kind of wonder what's going on. I mean, that just makes no sense.
0: Yeah, and meanwhile... You know, we've got this theater, you know, this uh, low, you know, budget B-level movie going on in Washington, D.C. when we're trying to find a new speaker. Uh, And and I don't get, you know, I hope people won't get drawn into that. I mean, you've got to let go of this fake right-left paradigm. Jim Jordan, I wouldn't trust him to babysit my dog. I mean, that guy, if you do the research on him, dig a little deeper. He is... Evil to the core, and yet because he's a Republican and uh, he's playing the role of a conservative, everybody says, "Oh, we we love him. We got to get him in there." It's all for show, but to me, it's a it's a key factor right now that it's happening now. Because honestly, if we did have a major, if we were blindsided militarily. I mean, the fact that we have no Speaker of the House could become pretty significant. And so I think all of that is part of the plan uh, as well. But just remember when you watch the news out of Washington that you're watching a script, you're watching a theater. These are actors playing a role. Don't get caught up in it.
1: Exactly. Look for Russian. Iran to cut off the oil, whether they do it in the Strait of Hormuz, whether they do it through OPEC or whatever, but the price of fuel is going to skyrocket, I I have no doubt, because that's one of the places, without any violence, as far as OPEC goes, they can really hurt us. And remember, the BRICS nations right now control 60% of the oil supply, and when the additional countries are added, as of January, they will control 80% of the oil. So we're gonna be in dire straits here very, very, very shortly. and I don't I don't know if we're gonna up production here, we should, but who knows? Now, there I want everybody to remember that Israel has what is called the Samson option. I looked into that a lot more. They have four hundred missiles and four and bombs together. And basically, um what they do, If they feel they're surrounded and they cannot win, they will launch, and they will annihilate the countries that are attacking them. Now, um, who knows if it comes to that? Who knows if the good Lord is going to intercede first? But the last thing I want to talk about, we're all talking about the Psalm 83 war, the Gog-Magog war, and I did a lot of research many, many years ago. In the Psalm 83 battle, if it is indeed a battle, which, you know, maybe it's prophetic, maybe maybe it's not, I don't know. But Syria, Jordan, Lebanon, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, and Iraq were included in the countries that would start that war. Now, in Gog, Magog, and see, Psalm 83, if that's actually going on, it's kind of immaterial, Because I believe it leads directly to Gog Magog in the future. All right. Now that's going to be Russia, Iran, Turkey, Libya, Ukraine, Ethiopia, Belarus, Sudan, Afghanistan and Pakistan, Turkmenistan, Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Azerbaijan, and Georgia. So you see it gets much bigger. But you have to remember a bunch of those countries are the old Soviet Union. I could see them getting together and create the Soviet Union again. I think that's exactly what Putin wants to do. And I believe he may do that. So rather than die on my hill saying this is what's here, this is what's coming, what's happening now is not going to stop. It's yeah. going to slow and it's going to
0: get worse. That is a great Point. Very well said. I like the way you said immaterial. Look, it's exciting. I've had guests on, and I and I tend to have them back on. Bill Salas, for example. It's exciting to see these uh, potential prophecies uh, being fulfilled. But, but at, the, at the end of the day, let's keep the big picture in mind. Here's the big picture. Right now, Israel is center stage in the world. All eyes are on Israel. It is a major deal. Uh, and that, to me, indicates a prophetic significance. We could get down into the weeds and, and try to decide is this the you know Isaiah 17 war, is this the Psalm 83 war? Is this the you know Gog Magog? What what is it exactly? And I think there's some merit to that in, in the sense of validating scripture, but it's a bit like, you know, paramedics arguing over, you know, as a guy's bleeding out, was it a three fifty seven or a 9 mil that hit him? Well, okay, we can figure that out later, but let's get the guy to the ER where he can be saved, you know? Right now, however this all plays out, uh, there is rising hatred towards Israel. Israel is is very likely uh, going to be further attacked by Iran, by Russia, you name it. That's going to draw America in. And before you and there we're already deploy or calling up some of our own, you know, soldiers. I think 2,000 got sent, and that's just the beginning. So I think uh, that's very well said. I we don't mean it's immaterial biblically. All biblical prophecy is critical, but let's not spin our wheels uh trying to prove that our view of the Psalm 83 war necessarily is right. Let's just acknowledge that yeah, the stage is being set. Bible prophecy is unfolding. In the meantime, let's uh let's keep our head on a swivel and pay attention. Any closing thoughts, Randy? Well, to that point,
1: everybody thinks these are personalities that are causing the problems. I'd like everybody to go back to Daniel 10, where it talks about the prince of Persia and the Prince of Greece. This is a spiritual battle. There are people w- humans taking action right now but that's not the big the big picture the big picture is this has started somewhere else we're seeing the human factors here but i cannot believe the battles that must be going on in the spiritual world right now that would be truly something that would be for the uh uh, popcorn and pop movie time
0: yeah no doubt Well, folks, uh, this has been another just fascinating discussion. I love to think about these things always through the lens of Scripture. I want to close out with a couple of uh, reminders. First of all, I meant to do this at the beginning, but I jumped right into the Scripture. But I get emails from time to time as our audience increases uh, with people asking, hey, who is Randy? And so uh, I sometimes forget that we're picking up new listeners all the time. But Randy's a dear friend. He's really an expert on geopolitical events. He's got 30, 40, 50 uh, expert sources. Um, many of them are not public domain. Many of these are in high levels of military and government. Uh, he is a certified private detective in a couple of states. He's got a background in the military. He's got a background in e- as an EMT. He is an EMT. So, uh, I mean, he's just, uh, the Lord's given him the ability to, to really uh, stay in touch with a lot of people and get information before we uh, get it. I mean, he's, uh, there are a lot of guys like that, like Randy out there who just have their finger on the pulse and they have sources. And many times over the last few years, uh, he's texted or emailed me, hey, this is happening. And then I see it 30 minutes later in the news. And so uh, he's graciously, he's a good friend, but he's graciously agreed to come on once a week. And help us uh, sort of provide some news and insight uh, on uh, some commentary and insight on the news and and what's happening. Uh, Obviously, we encourage you, as always, to do your own research. We're just giving you our Uh, two cents worth, but uh, really appreciate him. Uh, So I wanted to mention, we just posted some new uh, articles in the free section, uh, new resources in the free section of our online store. This is something we're trying to do more and more of, but I posted uh, this morning an uh, article on the judgment seat of Christ and what that's about. And then a couple of PowerPoint uh, PDFs of the slides that show you uh, one on the mystery of the church and one on the rapture of the church. And that one on the rapture of the church is a great, uh, just a great overview of the doctrine of the rapture if you're interested in studying that. So all of those are free as well as lots of other free material. Just go to notbyworks.org slash store, click on the store button, and then you'll see one of the uh, menus there on the store, free resources. And you don't have to put in a credit card. It doesn't cost you anything. You just add them to your cart and we will send you the PDF. They're shareable. You can send them to whoever you want, uh, but take advantage of that. And then lastly, I want to mention our uh, premier subscription. We're going to be having our second uh, premier subscription Zoom meeting next Tuesday, October the 24th at 7 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Mountain. We did our first one of those while I was on the road. It was incredible how many people attended. I couldn't believe it. Unfortunately, uh, my fault, we did not record it as planned. We we intend to record these Zoom sessions and post them for our premier members only. That way, if you don't can't make the scheduled live Zoom session, you can go back and watch it. But again, this is just something extra that we're doing periodically for our premier subscribers. Certainly don't have to be a Premier subscriber. We, if it's not something that you're interested in, we completely understand. We have tons of free videos, podcasts. All of our podcasts remain free. All of our videos when I speak are, are put out there. But we use the Premier membership to kind of give you a little extra information and resources for those who can uh, are interested. It's a small monthly fee, uh, or I think you can also register for an annual uh, subscription that saves you a little bit of money. Uh, but uh, we we also post some things that uh, we post early to the Premier group, and then a few days later, we post it to the whole uh, web. So just uh, t- check into that. You can click on the Premier subscription section of the online store if you're interested, but wanted to let our Premier subscribers know next Tuesday, mark your calendars. You'll get an email about this. We will be notifying you soon, uh, but we scheduled it for next Tuesday, October the 24th. At seven o'clock, and I will, I promise, I will remember to record it. I think I'm going to have 50 people in the Zoom session all reminding me to record it, which I need actually. So please do remind me. But anyway, with that, uh, listen, folks, uh, remember don't fall a prey to the abnormalcy bias where we're so consumed with all the negative that we can't function. We need to be doing business till the Lord comes. Uh, keep focused, stay in the word. Uh, if you've Uh, I've been listening to this podcast today, and, and our biggest podcast every week is the World Events Update with Randy. And so I know there are statistically going to be people that listen to this who maybe are not Christians. Maybe you're interested in world events, but you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ. That's priority number one if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ that's the only way to receive the gift of eternal life so you have to be saved that's step number one you're dead in your trespasses and sins you're uh, the the penalty for sin is eternal separation from God in hell and the only way to have eternal life is to receive the free gift of of Jesus paid for by His own blood when He died and rose again. Uh, and He offers that to you free if you'll simply trust in Him and Him alone for it, abandoning your trust in anything and everything else. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. You can't get it through religion. You can't get it through family heritage. You simply can't be good enough. You have to receive it from Christ by trusting that He is the Son of God who died and rose again for your sins. So I encourage you to do that today. If you're a believer, keep trusting the Lord. Walk by faith, And not by sight. We love you. We really appreciate you. It's been uh, just a, I'm still kind of exhilarated from the last two weeks, but yet pray for us as we dig out and get ready for church on Sunday. Uh, Check out our website, notbyworks.org. Lots of podcasts have been posted recently and more to come this week. God bless you, everyone. Have a great rest of the week.